Let's get back to Sports and Torts with David Spada and Elliot Harris on TalkZone.com. Next up, we have one of the greatest basketball players in the history of the sport, a man who played at the University of Cincinnati, then went on to an NBA career with the Cincinnati Royals and the Milwaukee Bucks, Oscar Robertson. I see that you grew up in Indianapolis. How did you not go to Indiana for college and end up in Cincinnati? Well, it, it's, a, it's an old story, but I wasn't, I wasn't offered a scholarship to go to Indiana University. Did Branch McCracken not have any interest whatsoever? None whatsoever. He wasn't a real, I, he wasn't a real smart man, it doesn't look like. And I was Mr. Basketball, so we didn't end of that year, but he, but not, but not for Branch McCracken. It's that long after you that Walt Bellamy was at Indiana. He came there after, 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 I think, he was there a couple of years later. Do you think it had anything to do with the color of your skin, why he didn't uh, recruit you? No doubt about it. Growing up, you're from an era that that some people today are unfamiliar with, when the schools were, I guess, legally segregated. Yeah, there was something like that in high school, because I went to an all-black high school in Indianapolis, and it was called Christophatics. Was there not much interaction then growing up with the white people? Oh, yeah. I mean, we played ball with them in the summertime over the park. You know the guys I knew, but I just I just but to me, to, other than playing against them during my years in school and and knowing some of the guys that I played against who came over and played with us, no, I had no action at all with white people. Your coach at high school at Chris Crispus Attics, Ray Crow, how influential was he on you? He, he was very influential because he had, he had gone through Indiana Indiana Central College and he had been around whites and he grew he grew up in an, in an all white neighborhood and I guess he was the, the the proper person to go forward because you know the perception was that you know we, we were going to cause trouble we were going to do all these all these difficult things but none of those things ever happened when I was in school at all great 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 school great student so how did you end up at Cincinnati you know I wanted to get a degree in, in business uh, I looked around at a lot of schools I was, I was going to go to Purdue University but I, when I looked up and saw Purdue had five blacks on their team and and three of them sit on the bench, and, and the guys on the bench were, were, were the top, some of the top five players from, from the state of Indiana. So I said, that, "That's not for me." And you know, in a lot of schools, you know, they, they, there was not a lot of hard recruiting like it is today. They'd write your letter. Plus, I was in the, in the Indiana Kentucky All Star game, and that, as a result, I was really still in still in high school. I couldn't I couldn't talk to anybody myself. As a sophomore, you played on that team that lost in the semifinals to the state champs, Milan. Did you realize how good that team was you played? Oh, I think they had a good team. But they were not, I don't think they were that great a basketball team because the team that that, lost, that they beat much of Central had the best team that year in the state. I, I, we had two players that got hurt. One was Willie Merriweather, one was Wilford O'Neill, who were all state. They got hurt playing football, so it killed us that year. How does a guy 6'5", you know, back in the 50s, end up as a shooting guard point guard rather than as a, as a center or a forward? Well, I think if you grow about seven, eight inches from your freshman to sophomore year, they would probably do it for you. I played guard. I had all the guard skills, but I just grew one year. You know, I didn't, didn't realize it, but I grew so fast, and I still had the same skills. I'm looking at your stats in college. You had 33.8 points a game, third highest in college history at Cincinnati. How did you do that? Just worked hard at it, you know. I I I, I, I was really serious about my game, and I tried to improve it you know, during, the, during the summer months. And you know, so I just worked at it. I played the game, let the game come to me, and certain things happen. Guys play better defense sometimes than other times, and 
and so I was I was successful at it. So I see you led the nation in scoring three years, and that's at a time when you couldn't play as a freshman. I could not play as a freshman at all. You're exactly right. So I, only, I was only able to play uh, three years, although some of the guys that had the records played four years. Do you think you would have led the nation in scoring four straight years if you played as a freshman? Well, as a freshman, I averaged about 34 points a game as well. During the freshman, my freshman, we played 16 games as a freshman, and I think I still averaged 34 points a game. What was the transition like going from Indianapolis to the University of Cincinnati? You know, it's a and you grow up, you know, you, 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 you get from a teenager, you become a, an adult. And you're on your own, you're in school, you have to manage your time, and, and you have to get the other poor guy that you never meet, never met before who come into the university. You try to get together and work as a team. So, so you know, everybody goes through the same thing there. How good were those Bearcat teams? I mean, you were 79-9, and nine, but again... Yeah. We, we, were, we were at a private school, and I tell you what happened. Uh, you, you could you had, you had to graduate in the top ten percent of your of your class in order to get into the school. So that left a lot of players out, a lot of great basketball players that I knew who I thought should have should have been able to get, uh, go to the University of United. They, they, they didn't qualify. So as a result, we, we 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 had a good team. We didn't have a great basketball team, uh, to be honest. I mean, but but we were lucky. We won some seventy nine games, and so. Then got in the finals a couple of years, but you know, hey, listen, you gotta have you gotta have the players, you gotta have some luck sometimes to get into those finals, and and you can't you can't get, you can't get Oscar Robinson with a lot of fouls on either, you know, for that to work. Now you played on on one of the great basketball teams of all time in the 1960 Olympics. What was that experience like? It was great as I was young, maybe 17 years old. I just, I just I was so thrilled to be able to play in the Olympics and, you know, really playing for your country and really playing for all the, all the guys that I knew and grew up with from, from Tennessee to Indianapolis, all of us who weren't able to get to that, get to that spot. I represented them as well as the country and myself. Everyone talks about the dream team with Jordan and Ewing and Pippen and Bird and Johnson. You guys had a dream team, and that was even better because you guys were all in college. Uh, we, were, we were not. We didn't have the experience of playing pro ball either. I mean, you know, you know, they talk talk about dream team. It was dream because because television said it was dream. You know, any 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 team can be a dream team. It's, it's like the hockey team. You know, they said the hockey team was dream because they beat the Russians. But you, you got to win, and we won. As a matter of fact, our, our point difference was how just as good as the dream team. On that squad, you had uh, Jerry West, Jerry Lucas, had, Walt, Walt Luke, Bellamy, Walt, Harry Dissinger, had, right. had Agent Smith, uh, J.R. Nett. Then they had some Bob Boozer was on the team. So it, it, it wasn't a bad team. If, if you could project us eight or nine years into the pros, then I'm here again. I said this, you know, they said the dream team they had, well, take myself, West. Walt Frazier, Earl Monroe, Gus Johnson, uh, Rick Barry, and put Wilt, Elgin, Bob Pettit, and and and, and Bill Russell on the team. Uh, who, who's going to win? <laughs> I think you beat the dream team every time. There's no doubt about it. We, we beat them every time. Because I'm looking at the results of those games. I mean, your closest games were the first game against Italy, 88 to 54, and then Brazil in the finals, 90 to 63. No, we had a very good basketball team. Very, very accomplished players. Uh, uh, Jerry West, uh, a guard I played follow with Terry Dishinger. Either Bellamy or Lucas played the pivot. So we had a good team. We did, had a good coach in Pete Newell. And, you know, we, and we were unselfish basketball players, which I think made a tremendous difference. Who was the leader on the team? 
several leaders, you know. I led, Terry Dishman led, Jerry West led. We had a guard named Les Lane who probably kept it all together for us. So, you know, and I, I think sometimes it's overblown, you know, say who the leader. You know, you play basketball, you know, because you get a chance to put it in the basket, you do that. Get a chance to play good defense or rebound or make an assist. That's what you do. If that's leading, then we had we had a few leaders on our team. Did you learn any Italian over in Rome? I did. As a matter of fact, I, I got me a record from one of these agencies, and I learned how to say the food is good. And how far I wanted to go to the Olympic Village, I want to go to a hotel. And how are you? And goodbye. I learned all those things. <laughs> <laughs> how did you get the nickname, the Big O? Who gave it to you? A radio guy in Cincinnati, because you know uh, when I got, came on the scene, what was called the Stilt, Elder was called a Rabbit. And because my name was Oscar, they called me the Big O. Now, the Royals took you as a, a territorial pick. Is that something that you had hoped would occur? Didn't, didn't think that much about it, but, but I, I said this. You know, I, I look at the draft over the years, and I think the draft is wrong for a lot of players. And I'll give you a good example. Uh, here's a little, little girl named Skylar Diggins from mm-hmm. Notre Dame, probably one of the top two players in the country. She goes to Tulsa. You're not going to hear of her again. Dell Griffith, yes, Griffith came out of Kentucky, out of the top player, uh, other than Magic Johnson, but I think Dell Griffith had, had, the, had the top slot. He went to Utah. You, you never heard of Dell Griffith after that. No, you're exactly right. I mean, the towns could basically make these guys a star or bury them. That's true, and, and, and you know, I mean, I, I enjoyed playing in Cincinnati, but, but you know, what if I'd have played in New York? Especially New York. I mean, it would have been a world of difference. Totally different. Right. I mean, you you would have been bigger than Walt Frazier was or a, any of those Knicks. Well, just opportunities that, that would be presented to you. I, mean, I don't know. You know, I'd like to think I could play play basketball against anybody. But, but being in Cincinnati, you know, every, everybody's sort of laid back, you know. I think they were waiting 10 years ago, you know, like, like Mark Twain said. <laughs> in 10 years, it'll all come here. <laughs> What I don't get is, okay, the Lakers are identified with Jerry West, um, Bill Sharman is their GM building those teams, Magic Johnson. You never hear about Elgin Baylor. It's like they kind of cast him aside. Tragedy, I must tell you. And I've often said this on different ball players that I see around the country. Elgin Baylor, no doubt, is probably one of the top forward, top small forward in the game. Who could play better forward than Elgin Baylor? The guy has one year, 37 points a game, and 14 rebounds. I mean, I mean, I don't know anyone that can do that now. I don't know any of these forwards can do that now. The great forwards. Who are the great forwards in, in the game today? And, and, they, and they talk about uh, the kid down at, down at uh, San Antonio being a forward, power forward. Hell, he plays the pivot. Exactly. Duncan's not a power, a power forward. He's a center. Of course, he can't dribble the ball. He can't, he can't do anything outside. But he's great. He's great. He was great off the, off the, off the block. No doubt about it. So, but they wanted to say he was a, he was a forward, but he was not a forward. Now, El- Elgin was Doctor J before J. Elgin was was so different from anything. Certainly, but you know, because he could he could put the ball on the floor, he could move where they could get his shot. How, how how many forwards today can put the ball on the floor two or three times and, and get a shot away? And have the moves that I, I don't, had. right now, I don't know if any of them can do that. You look, you look at Miami's basketball team. Great, great, great LeBron, great uh, Dwayne Wade. Other than that, who can put the ball on the floor and, and get a basket? Who can, who can go somewhere with the ball, catch dribble two or three times? I don't think any of them can. 
No, exactly. And you had a great teammate in Jerry Lucas with the Royals. No doubt about it, but Jerry was a great fall because he had the shot. He could, hit, he could make the shot outside. He was a tremendous rebounder. But here again, you know, you know, Jerry couldn't put the ball on the floor and go anywhere either. But because of his shot, it made him a great forward. You also had a pretty fair uh, ball player in, in the late Jack Twyman. Well, you know, here again, you know, we had a, we had a, we had a fair team, but, but we didn't have the bench. We could not overcome the Celtics. Uh, came close a lot of times, but we didn't have the, the support off the bench, you know. Because I, I think in, in, our, in order to win a championship sometimes, you look at every championship team, there's one thing that's common. They've all made key trades. Every team that won has made a trade. No, you're right. Everyone talks about you and the triple-double averaging in a season. Did you realize you were doing it then, or is this something that became a stat after you retired? Well, of course it happened after I retired. As a matter of, matter of fact, everybody played the same way. I mean, I didn't think there was any difference in them. But then all of a sudden now, you know, the guy gets a triple-double. He's, he's, he's king of the mountain. But, but, I, but I think that they forgot that Oscar Robson did this for quite a, quite a while. It just goes, just goes to show you what 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 what, uh, what history does and what 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 uh, announcers do when they get on the air to talk about this. Another thing, who was the greatest shot blocker in the history of the NBA? Uh, Bill Russell. No. Mark Eaton. Matumbo. But can be. but only because they didn't they didn't recognize any of Bill's shot blocking before a certain time. They didn't even keep keep those stats until the, I guess it may, may have been in the seventies. And Will Chamberlain as well. Nate Thurman. Those guys, those guys block shots, man. Yeah. I mean, they, they protected the basket. Nate's like the forgotten man. When they talk about the centers in the 60s, early 70s, it's always Russell and Chamberlain. But Nate Thurman, he was strong and he was solid. A great, great basket, great defensive ball player. Great defensive ball player. And the thing about it, because you mentioned Russell and Chamberlain, no one else got any ink in the tender. I mean, it, that was it. Wayne Embry, your former teammate. Wayne Embry came into the league, was not, not an accomplished player, but he worked hard. He made himself an all-star. Wayne, Wayne averaged 15 points a game, maybe 11 or 12 rebounds. That today would get, would get you about 15 to $20 million a year. <laughs> what would you make in today's game? You know, I, I don't know, but, but it would probably be quite a bit of money. Quite a bit of money. I mean, if you look at, look at I mean, everybody. I see, I see guys who average three and four with six points a game getting Dying ten million dollars a year. I don't. I don't know what the hell's going on. Are they, are they printing printing the money? <laughs> yes. David Stern has I mean, this little printing press in New York in a I mean, basement somewhere. But let me ask you. I mean, you, you give a guy eighteen million dollars a year. He's hurt. He doesn't do anything. Do you keep on paying him? It's these guaranteed. I mean, I, I, it's a guaranteed contracts. It's ridiculous. You guys are playing you, you on your deals. You got to have some insurance on these players or something because, because I mean, I mean, I, I think the guy who, get, who gets that kind of money should be a basketball player. He, not, not, that's good, not that you don't make every shot or block every shot, but he should be a basketball player. No doubt about it. What was the transition like from college to the pros for you? Players a little bigger, a little stronger, uh, better players, better mental basketball players than they were than, than they were in college. But you, you make the adjustment. If you're a basketball player, you make the adjustment. And so playing against them, you know, after after, after you go around, you know what people can do. And so after that, you know, you, you get you get right in tune with everybody. Did you ever favor coach to play for? No, I, I like Jack McMahon because he was a basketball player. We we had some coaches here who really did not understand the game of basketball at all. But, uh, you know, here, here in Cincinnati, like a lot of small cities, you know, they like to pick their friends to coach you, you know, instead of getting someone who understands the game. 
you know, and now they would also hear get players who who played twenty miles away thought they thought that that would bring fans in, but that's that's not true. In in, in pro sports, you're, it's a nationwide, international thing, and you go all over trying to get these basketball players to fit fit, fit on your team. When you made it to the NBA, did you think, okay, now? I'll be accepted uh, socially and in hotels and things like that. Did you figure the segregation that you had grown up with would, would sort of go away? Now, being black in America, you know, you, it's always with you. You don't think about those things because you, you're accustomed to what America was and you live that way. Uh, we had some problems at Cincinnati, you know, I mean, I mean, when I played in college as well as in the pros, but you have to overcome those things, you know. I mean, you can't dwell on those things forever, you know. I mean, I, I wasn't the only one. There were a lot of players. I understand Russell and Sam and the guy, Casey, that was playing in Lexington. Well, I was with the Pan American team. We went down to play an exhibition game in Louisville. I could have stayed in the Brown Hotel. But I got in eventually because the, the coach from Louisville was the assistant coach of the team for that game. He, he, got, he got me and Bob Boozer and Johnny Green into the hotel. What's amazing with Cincinnati is, I mean, you think about it, Jack Twyman had to adopt Maurice Stokes to make sure he was taken care of because the old ownership just cast him aside. Yes, it is. It's wonderful for Jack. I will always remember Jack. He passed away now. i never forget that. I, 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 he's, he's, he's one of the top guys in, in my category for what he did off the court for, for Maurice Stokes. Who gave you the most – who guarded you the toughest, I guess, in the pros? <laughs> You know, to be honest, I had a lot of guys, and Barnett guarded tough, uh, 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 Casey Jones, uh, Danning uh, Snyder played for St. Louis. You know, I, mean, I think, I think what, what, what happened a lot, Jerry Sloan, of course, there, there are a lot of, a lot of, a lot of players, uh, who, who, who and some don't, you know. You got, you got to make adjustments for them, you know. Sometimes the press picks out the defensive players even before they ever play. They say, oh, this guy's great on defense. Great, why, you know, I mean, and you got to ask players who were the toughest defensive player. Yeah, other than that, just like the All Star game now, you know, All Star game in the, in, to me is going to going to the pitch. When you, when you start picking the fans, they're going to vote five and ten times each to pick a, pick an All Star All Star team. You know, you, it's not it's not it's not it's not really what an All Star team should be. The players should be the ones picking the players. Did anyone talk more trash than Sam Jones though? No, I don't know. Sam never said that much to me. He may have talked to some other people, but there were a lot of guys. There wasn't a lot of guys who did ten years ago because because you they you probably get hit. I mean, you know, I mean, years ago you hit somebody. The fine was only fifty dollars. Now you know, you know, they 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 let people run up and, and do a lot of things, but they saw you can't hit. Guy can swing at you, but if you hit him back, they find you too. It's unbelievable. I've never seen anything like it in my life. How difficult was it getting along with Bob Cousy, who played a, a little bit with the Royals and then became the coach? I didn't really, I didn't really know Cousy. Uh, played against until he came to the Royals, and he, and he told me one day he wanted to trade me. So I said, hey, you know, look at my contract. I had a no-cut contract. You know, I mean, but, uh, and, and, you know, they had a campaign against Oscar Robertson here in town. He was behind it. But I hadn't done anything. And, and I, you know, all I did was first team all pro for 10 straight years, but I hadn't done anything. How satisfying was it when you broke his assist record? I didn't even know I did it. <laughs> and had, had no thoughts of it whatsoever. Didn't, th- didn't even think about that. I, I, I had no personal uh, agenda against Bob Cousy. Bob Cousy was a great basketball player. You know, as I said, I didn't even know him. I knew who he was, but that was as far as it went with me. When the Royals traded it to the Milwaukee Bucks for Flynn Robinson and Charlie Polk, did you say to yourself, that, that's all Cincinnati's getting from me? 
No, actually, I had a family, had three kids, and so I wanted to get get settled, located in a good school district. But when you mention that, those guys never even played here. They could have just wanted to get me out of here. That was, you have to ask him why he did that. I think he was jealous of the attention you were getting. Well, it could be, but I don't know. But just ask him, you know, about here I am. I'm, I'm all pro 10 straight years, you know. And all of a sudden, I can't play anymore. I can't do this anymore. But this is what happens, you know. But when the, the past year in Cincinnati uh, got on Cousy's side, and this is what happens, you know. I mean, when I look at the situation with LeBron, okay, I think LeBron should have Pops could have stayed at Cleveland. Uh, you know, I think the people at Cleveland were good to him. But, but that's, that's LeBron's decision, you know. I mean, he didn't have a contract. So he left. But but for people around the country to burn his jersey and, and, and make derogatory comments about what he did, and all, all of a sudden now, now, and when he didn't win one year, all this, oh, that's LeBron. Well, that's what happens, you know. You know I mean, what, what hypocrites are there in the country, you know? Not, not everybody wins a championship. You got to be. You got to be lucky. You got to be in the right spot. But said before, there got to be some key trades made in order for you to win a championship. Well, you ended up in Milwaukee with a, with a guy, not not a bad center in Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Kareem was young, just getting started, and we worked together. You know, you know, offered a little, little advice I had, and, and now he became a great basketball player, a greater basketball player. I'll say that. What advice did you give him? Just talk. Just talk about the game itself. You know about, about you know about what he could do defensively. Uh, he, he worked on he worked on his, his offensive game, low post. He had a great sky hook, but then there are other things you do besides sky hook. And, and fortunate for him, he listened. And hey, listen and see what he did in, in his career, all time leading scorer. Was was Milwaukee a similar situation to Cincinnati? And that it's like okay, here I am in a small town with uh, tremendous talent and the opportunities yes. away from. Yeah, to, to, to a certain extent, because because they, they also were the thing. Well, we can't pay these shells. We can't do this. But you know, you know, they said that, but they want top players. I don't understand it. You know, I mean, why, why get a team there? Why why buy into a team if you have those thoughts? But they had that in Milwaukee as well. How did you become president of the Players Association? Through talks with Jack Twyman and and really, uh, you know, sometimes fate determines what you're going to do. I, I really didn't know that much about it, but uh, I must say that, that if, if I have, if I were not a great player, man, I, you wouldn't be talking to me today. I'd have been out of league. Were you the first black president of the Players Association? Yes, I was. No, nope, that's true. And that's what I said. If I were not a great player, you wouldn't be talking to me today about, about this at all. So they would have kicked you right out of the league? Kicked me right out of the league. You see a lot of player reps who fall into that category you know, that uh, all of a sudden they're serviceable and and then they become you know one of the team's player reps and next thing you know they're not on the roster. <laughs> that is so true. It's, it's, it's just a, pure, pure coincidence, right? <laughs> yeah, pure coincidence. Isn't that something? How did you decide to file the antitrust suit against the league? Was that your idea, or the attorneys, or the players wanted you to do it? Uh, the attorneys and, and everybody, you know. Basketball needed to change. Uh, it, was, it was going nowhere to a certain extent. And I think I think that the Oscar Robertson ruling gave basketball a movie star status, a celebrity-type status, where guys are making, uh, instead of 300000 maybe three or four or five million dollars a year. And, and it made a big difference, you know. We get better travel, better medical attention, uh, better food money, better everything, better everything uh, for a basketball player at that time. 
you know, players nowadays and fans nowadays have no idea that once upon a time there was no such thing as free agency. That's exactly right. Because, for instance, if you're on the team and you drove a you drove a luxury car and a coach didn't like it, he could keep you from playing forever. He'd, he'd, he'd touch you from the team. You could never go anywhere else in the world. Why did it take six years for that lawsuit to get resolved? I mean, nowadays, if a strike goes more than three months, people are going crazy. Well, I think because we have some good attorneys, we have uh, uh, that's the reason. That's that's the reason that it was it was successful. Uh, our, our guys were very good, and and once we went to the court, I guess it took the court a little while to accept it. Just trying to work things out, but hey. You need good attorneys, and sometimes, sometimes you make a mistake picking attorneys, but we had some excellent attorneys. How did you know when it was time to call it a career? Okay. You know, I played 14 years, uh, and, and, uh, and, and, and you know, I tell you, the Bucks came to me one year. We got, to the, we got in the finals in Boston beat us, and they just said, well, you know, they, they stood right, girl, is Oscar too old to play? But I was going to leave anyway, you know, but they didn't know it. But, you know, but this is what happens. You know, no matter what you do for these teams, man, it's not enough. You know, they, they're going to say, I, I was too old. I, I played 41 minutes a game my last year with the Milwaukee Bucks. Well, and, and the season after you retired, the Bucks ended up in last place. So well, you must, you must have had some value. Well, they didn't think so. <laughs> they didn't think so at all. Did you have a favorite moment in the game? Oh, no, I didn't enjoy. It. I enjoyed playing, and I enjoyed playing with my teammates and, and, and trying to win. You know, next you don't you don't win everything, but you win a lot of them. So I, that was no special moment for me. I think the, the whole experience of playing basketball throughout my career was special. When you retired, you went into uh, broadcasting. Oh, yeah, for a little. While. Yeah, they, they mixed that too. The NBA, the NBA took me off of that. How did they do that? Because they had the power to do that, they they, they they determine who goes on the air for them. And since we, since I was involved in Oscar Robson case, that was it. It was a, it was a blackballing deal. It's it's hard to imagine that they would that in today's world they would be able to get away with something like that, where you have such uh, complete well, coverage of everything that goes on. Well, here again, this you know this is hey, you know a lot of things going on in this in this in this country that, that I mean I didn't think I didn't think it was the right to do I wanted to stay with stay on the air but I, you know but, so you go on you know I mean, you know you don't you don't cry about everything that happens you know you and you get over and get, get, try to do something else I mean but yeah yeah but that's the reason I was taken off the air and I know this for a fact because they said that I was involved in the Oscar Robinson case and and, and we won the case and the owners some owners didn't like didn't like that at all didn't like it at all. Plus, you weren't a former Celtic like uh, Bob Cousy or Tommy Heinsohn. That's exactly, exactly right. You know, I mean, I mean, Celtics they, they experienced some some great successes on the court and off the court as well. You know, I mean, they're still involved. They're still involved with the Boston Celtics. Am I involved with the teams I played with? One of Sacramento. Sacramento. I've been out to Sacramento a few times. Am I am I involved with the Bucks? No, not at all. Why is that? You passed the Bucks. You know. <laughs> I really don't know. What I don't get also is the face of the NBA. When you look at that logo, it's Jerry West. I mean, Jerry no, that, West no, was a great, he was a great player, but he wasn't the greatest player of all time. He was one of the greatest players. I mean, you know, Jerry was a tremendous basketball player. I mean, I, I, I can't take it away from anything away from what he did. 
but you know, this is what was going on those times. You know, I mean, I, I never, I never forget years ago. Uh, you know, when they used to give shoe deals, blacks couldn't get a shoe deal when I first started playing. But and and then 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 they, but they want you to wear the shoe. But, the, but but as far as giving you a deal or wear the shoe, they didn't think it was necessary. And then along comes Nike, and they might have made a fortune off of using Michael Jordan and getting these black kids uh, to buy these shoes. But I'm, not only black kids buying the shoes, but whites buying them as well. But a lot of blacks buying them as well. As you look back on your life, from where you started to where you are, how do you assess it? Who can assess it? You know, not, I don't know that much about it. I mean, I, I don't, I don't have that ability to do that. You know, I mean, I, I'm here like anyone else. You, you go and try to live your day as, 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 as a good, decent individual, and that's, that's the best thing you can really do. I got to give you credit though. You started the chemical company, became a multimillionaire outside the basketball world. Another guy in Chicago here, Gail Sayers, did the same thing in computer work. And basically, you guys made something yourself, not just because of basketball, but because of your uh, how smart you were. Well, that no, 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 I think you have to be looking that too. You, you need you need corporate America now to get anything done like that. They have to be get involved in what you're doing. And you know, I mean, I mean that's the, the things that go on today. They talk about um, minority business and you know what this, which is a, a, a tool a lot of companies use in order because they want minorities to buy their product. But you know, some some very 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 few have been able to go forward, uh, and I hope I can continue to do so. Now, should we be calling you Dr. Robertson? Because you did get an honorary doctorate from Cincinnati in 2007. What, what was that experience like? Oh, it was very nice. I mean, you know, I've been around the university a lot, and I graduated from the University of Cincinnati. And I, and I also made the dean list two or three times at the University of Cincinnati. So it was just an honorary degree that, that, that I received. I'm very happy about it. Did you ever have memory contests with Jerry Lucas? Because he's like Dr. Memory. No, I don't know. Uh, yeah, he, he, yeah, I understand he, he's writing some books and things about this and about education as well. But, you know, uh, I, I, here again, P, PR and, and perception means a lot in the world today. It's, it's perceived if you're smart politically. Uh, it's, it's, it's perception that, oh, he's a great businessman. you got to be lucky to get some of these things done. You know, you know I mean, it means a lot. You're in the right state, place at the, place at the right time. Who would you say is the greatest player in NBA history? I'm, I'm, that, that I've seen, I mean, I mean yes. I'm going to say Elgin. You know, people, people say this guy is great. This is, okay, they're great centers, but centers, centers could dribble the ball and, and dribble the ball outside, handle the ball outside like, like Elgin Bailey. None of these guys could do that. A lot of people say Bill Russell, and I, I wonder if, if Will Chamberlain had perhaps applied himself a, a little bit more. I mean, when he made up his mind to, to get assists. No, 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 let me talk about Will Chamberlain. But, you know, I mean, everyone's great with, 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 their, own, with their own abilities. Uh, but this is what happens in, in sports today. People's, who's the, who's the greatest uh, uh, moderator? Who's the greatest president? Who's the, who's the, who's the greatest uh, this guy? Who's the greatest? Everyone here wants to know who's the greatest. But what contributions did you make while you're there? 
why you were involved in what you were doing. That's all that really matters. How did you yeah, feel when you went in the Basketball Hall of Fame? Well, you know, I, I was a little older. I, I was happy for it, as I said before. When I, I, I just thought about all the guys I played with uh, back in Indianapolis and Indiana who never got the chance to, 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 to go to the type of schools I did uh, to get to the, get to that spot. And I felt that I, I, I made a reference. I said, thank you for pushing me to these heights. Now, rumor has it you were a fairly uh, decent baseball yeah. player. Is there a part of you that says, I, I wish I'd pursued that? Or are you pretty happy with the way things turned out? Well, I am. Because I played baseball a lot in high school. I played all the time. I mean, actually, that's all it did. When the weather's hot like it is now, you went out and played baseball in the parks. When it got cooler, you went, out, went, on, went on the basketball court. Can you still hoop it up now, or you put hung up your shoes? No, I can shoot a little bit, but I don't like to chase it anymore. <laughs> It's not every day you get a chance to talk to a basketball Hall of Famer like Oscar Robertson. I guess David and I are very fortunate uh, to be able to talk to the people that we have. I would like to thank our two guests, Oscar Robertson and Elena Deladon, and our executive producer, Dave Olson. You are listening to Sports and Torts on TalkZone.com, and tune in again next time.